What are your writing dreams? Finishing that book, quitting the day job, becoming a best-selling author? Well, over four years, we've studied the advice of over 300 best-selling authors who've collectively sold over half a billion books. And we are excited to announce the Best Seller Academy. If you're ready to take your writing to the next level with accountability, craft, and coaching, your bestseller dreams are now only a click away. To find out more and apply, visit bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy. That's bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy. Let's run the show. Hello and welcome to the Bestseller Experiment, where we continue to discover what makes a bestseller and inspire you to start, finish and publish your book. I'm Mark Stay. And I'm Mark Devoe. We'd like to say thank you to everyone for joining us today and especially all of those marvellous people out in the world who are helping this podcast by supporting it as a patron. And if you would like to find out how to do that, we would like to um, highlight our patron of the week, which is Sally. Sally, thank you so much for joining you, us and, and for supporting us. And Sally's going to get tons of extra goodies, lots of deep dives, uh, extended versions of this podcast. Probably hundreds of hours of extra content now, Mark. I can't even. I can't is, even be bothered to add it all up, to be honest, because that's all, <laughs> it's too much work now. But it's a lot, and so we're we're very very grateful, and, and we get such great feedback from from all the patrons. They really do love the extended. I'll just we should just say the extended editions. It's been fun doing those because it, it kind of feels like we're recording it to a private. Well, we are recording it to a private audience, so we kind of like open up a little bit more, which is hard to think because people talk about, you know. When they listen, and I find this when I listen to podcasts, you kind of really feel like you get to know the person when you listen to a podcast for a long time. It's like somebody down the pub with all the time. And um, but yeah, if you're interested to find that, if you've kind of been if you've been thinking about listening to an extended, then just become a patron. Try it. Try it for a month. See what you think. It's lots yeah. of fun. But thank you as well to everyone. And um, and Mr. State, you've had a busy week. You've been fluting around all these like big conventions in the world. I hear. Well, yeah, I did the uh, MDC Comic Con in Kent uh, last weekend, and it was uh, the first sort of big convention of the year, the big Comic Con of the year, and uh, yeah. I got uh, MCM in a couple of days uh, as well. Uh, so yeah, it was so much fun. It was just nice to because I the first one I did of these. It used to be an event called Herne Bay Sci-Fi by the Sea, which took place in the school field, and it was quite a small event. And when I first yeah. did it, I had one book. I had Robot Overlords, and and that was pretty much it. Uh, but now I had the, I, t- I took a photo. I put all the books out. It's like I've actually done quite a few books. I'm looking at them, thinking this is quite a bit. So it was nice to sort of, and the events got bigger as well. You know, it's a massive, massive, big family day out event, and it was really, really good fun. And uh, yeah, and I met because um, they have sort of people signing photos and things like that. People from Game of Thrones and uh, uh, Chris Barry from Red Dwarf was there as well. That was really good fun. But I met Paul Warren, who's the actor who played Mister Sniff, the Red Cap. You know, the one who sniffs her belly in Unwelcome. Oh yeah. Uh, and I met him, and it was really great to sort of catch up with him finally. And uh, he gave me this poster of all the red caps, and it's like the meanest five-a-side team you've ever seen. <laughs> They're like all, all staring at the camera, ready to bite your legs off. Uh, and it was it was great. So yeah, it was it was really really good fun, really good week. How now? Because looking Dang. at your, I saw a picture of of kind of the stand that you had. It's quite a production now, isn't it? You got yeah, yeah, yeah. those roll-up banners, banners in the back, yeah. 
tons yeah. of books like that must be awesome feeling like like it was <laughs> I, mean, I was thinking back to Hearn Bay where you had the one that's like how, yeah. how many how much can you spread robot overlords across one table <laughs> and now it's like where am I going to put all these yeah uh, the, the, I remember that robot overlords because I took my iPod uh, iPad along and just played the film on a loop you know so people <laughs> would draw but oh you've written a film um, so Brilliant. yeah it was now my son came and helped me set up and uh, he was and great he disappear because... disappear off again after he's, he was done then, indeed. Oh, yeah, of course. Like, cheers, yeah, Dad. Yeah. See you later. Yeah, bye. <laughs> but he was great because what he did was he he would come at it from all angles and go, no, I can't, that's that's at the wrong angle. That's angle great. the book there. So, I, and it, so yeah, it was, uh, it was a good stand. It was yeah, a good set stand. designer and everything. God, look at you. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. God, I love it. I love it. Well, it's lots of fun. And um, uh, I think it's, it's, a, it's, it's probably one of the most wonderful things to be able to do as an author I love it. To be able to, well, firstly, to to meet people, you know, maybe podcast listeners, people that have read your books, um, but also to meet people who might just be wandering by and think, oh, this looks interesting. And then, you know, there, that, there that are must a happen lot a lot, those. does it? A yeah. lot, yeah. A lot I, people I wander say, off with your book at the end. Yeah, of the you're, chat, you're making a, you're making a lot of new readers, and yeah. you. Uh, and the thing is, I've got a bit of everything because people come up to the table and say, "Well, we've got, we've got." time travel we've got robots we've got fantasy we've got witches yeah. you know and they, they look around and they're like oh this actually and you you get a feeling very early on you know do they go for the witches books do they go for back to reality do they go for the end of magic do they go for yeah. robot overlords you know so you suss out what, who they are and you steer them in the right direction and that was that was good fun and also i've told actual human beings that I'm writing a sequel to the end of magic so I better actually finish it now I had well, a couple of go. people go uh, I say and they say good get on with it so it was, uh, well there's yeah, nothing like on now nothing like a dream declaration isn't there Mr Stay I mean it's what we uh, what we live and breathe I'm a third uh, of the way the through I'm a third of the way through so I'm getting there I'm getting there. it's good stuff. fun wow brilliant 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 fantastic well let's dive into our amazing interview this week Mark tell us about this week's guest Scarlet Braid uh, was born, educated in London. And as a child, though, she spent her summers in Toronto, Canada, which is where she developed her love affair with reading. She read her first Harry Potter book at the age of six. And we are going to talk about that afterwards as well. <laughs> as she, she completed her own full length novel by the age of 23. Right. Oh, my God. But. Recently, Zephyr published her debut dark psychological thriller, The Hive, which is about a chilling murder live stream on live streamed on Instagram, and it's mind blowing stuff. And she's such a great guest. So we discuss hooks and high concepts, social media and mental health for authors, and how a letter from a reader inspired Scarlett to keep writing. Brilliant. So tuck in, folks. This is a great interview. Let's listen to Mark chatting with the inspiring Scarlett Braid. Scarlet Braid, welcome to the bestseller experiment. How are you today? I'm wonderful. How are you, Mark? I'm I'm very good indeed. I'm very excited because your new novel, The Hive, your debut novel, absolute smash. The hook is just genius. It's absolutely brilliant because it opens with a confession. Charlotte has killed her ex-boyfriend's partner, and now she invites you to vote on whether he should live or die on Instagram. That is such a fantastic concept. Tell us more. That idea just kind of came to me um, after a really bad breakup in my life. And I thought it, it was, you know, it, it was an, an emotional time. And I thought it'd be a great idea to, you know, write about it, write about my emotions and how I feel. And 
out of that, somehow the hive just took on a life of its own and all these characters and their drama and their lives kind of intertwined together. And before I knew it, I had this amazing story about a tortured soul that, you know, had loved and lost and was trying to get over that in the best way possible. And then unimaginable circumstances happen and it's just it's been a roller coaster and the hive takes you on a journey through so many emotions from good to bad and back again and it's it's been a real labor of love for me fantastic now the it asks really big questions about social media and and mental health i mean what's your relationship been with social media yourself have you have you sort of been through the ringer with social media yourself or yeah, of course. With social media, especially when you have a relationship that is quite public and it's online, you know, you get a lot of speculation, you get a lot of comments and people that think they know you on a personal level. And I thought it was important for me to kind of document some of the risks of social media and what we go through. We put so much of our lives online and share so much with people that we don't know with strangers. And it can have circumstances and it can, you know, take a toll on on us emotionally and physically. And I wanted to tell a story where social media played such a big role in a woman's downfall. And I thought it was so important to highlight the connections between social media and mental health. And I just really wanted to highlight that and just, you know, share an amazing story, but also a story that kind of teaches us to take a second and think about what we're really putting online and how much of ourselves we're sharing. Absolutely. Has your, uh, since writing the book, has your attitude to social media changed? Because not least you've become an author. You've, you are now, I guess, a public figure where people <laughs> read the book and they do think they know you, you know. So has that intensified social media for you? Are you, are you coping with it? It's definitely intensified my relationship with social media where it where I want to reach out a lot to my readers and I want to hear what they think about the hive and I want to know their experiences and their thoughts and how they processed all the chapters and everything that happened. So that's been amazing, really connecting with readers and really, you know, getting to the nitty gritty and knowing how the hive affects them or makes them think it the Hive is a book that really tests our moral compass and mm. it's nice to know people's take on that. Yeah. So that's been an amazing experience. I've actually found quite a positive out of social media throughout the whole publication and, you know, author experience. Brilliant. Oh, it's, it's good to know. It's good to know because it can be really tough sometimes, especially, you know, if you get someone like tagging you in a bad review or something like that, it can, it can be the absolute worst. Now, I did say the book is dedicated to Team Strong. Tell me about, because I believe they they helped inspire some of the characters in the book as well. Tell me about Team Strong. Yes, they are my own wonderful um, set of girlfriends who are just amazing, strong women. Um, they're all quite independent, very headstrong, you know, very, very much they know their own lives. They're really successful. One of them's a fashion designer. One of them owns their own salon. Another one of them is an eyebrow specialist and the, another one owns properties. So they're really inspiring women and they have had such an impact on me and my journey throughout the author experience and I really wanted to dedicate something to them it's a story 
um, like I said, it's a labor of love for me, but also for them because we as a team kind of poured so much of ourselves into the hive and so many different experiences and dating experiences and things that we go through in, you know, this millennial experience where we're all at this age where we're meeting people and we're in the social scene and we're dating and we're in London. And I just wanted something that would showcase exactly that. It's very much an East London book as well. It's very much rooted in in East London. So tell us more about that. Um, I'm originally from East London. I live in Essex now, but I'm originally from East London. And it's, you know, East London's a place where you have so much culture and so much diversity and you meet so many people. And it's, I went to a school and it's where I had so many different friends from so many different backgrounds and so many different heritages. And it's been amazing kind of sharing that through my writing and having so many different women that were from such different backgrounds that all somehow came together and were friends. And that was a magical experience for me writing about those strong, you know, really strong women. Fantastic. Let's go back to where it all started, because as I understand it, you would spend your summers in Canada and that's where you sort of fell in love with with reading. Tell, tell us about that. My great grandmother um, actually looked after my mother as a child, so they were really close. But she lived in Canada, along with my aunts and my uncles and my cousins. I have so much family <laughs> that were there. And as she was getting quite old, she, um, she we were spending more time there. So when we were very young, from about maybe my first or second birthday. My mum would take us there during the summer holidays, during Easter breaks, just every chance really we got. We spent so much time there in Toronto and Scarborough, you know, camping and hiking and just a different experience of life. And every time we would go um, at the airport, my mum, you know, to keep the kids quiet on a plane, it's a long journey. Anybody that's ever taken a a flight from London to Canada will know it's at least nine, 10 hours. And with very young children, I mean, you can only imagine the chaos (laughs) for the parents. So my mum would, you know, stop at WH Smith and kind of get us all, you know, magazines and books and anything that would basically shut us up and keep us quiet, (laughs) you know, and give us peace. And I saw Harry Potter and this is when Harry Potter, I think it had only been out maybe a year or so, or maybe less than that. So it was fairly new, you know, and I'd heard about people talking about it at school and, you know, at nursery and all, they had all these books. And I was like, oh, mum, you know, I really, I really want this book. You know, I'm six years old and I'm like, mum, that's, that's the book I want. And she looked at it and she saw all the big words and she said, there is no way you can read that. Why don't you try something that's more, you know, suitable for your age? And I, you know, I put my foot down and (laughs) I, I, the lip quizzer and I shed a tear and before I had a complete meltdown she was like no what have the book (laughs) to her complete surprise by the time we came back from Canada I had finished the entire thing and she was completely shocked that a six-year-old could read it verbatim knew what was happening and could explain it back comprehensively to her she was shocked so it became a thing where you know anytime we would go out or I would want a book she would just get it for me she really encouraged my love of books and you know to be a great reader is to be a great writer and that's really where it all began that's such a good point it's such a good I just my co-presenter 
Mr. D, he worries about kids looking at screens too much. So, you know, if you're making that flight today, you'd probably give the kid an iPad, wouldn't you? You know, or a phone or a, a games device. Would you give them a book necessarily? <laughs> so you were in the right place at the right time. So, you know, being a reader is one thing. Being a writer is something else. Was there a point where, A, you discovered there was, because we find this a lot of people reading children's books, they go, oh, someone actually writes these. Was there a point where you, you know, discovered what an author was and, and when did it sort of become a reality? When did you think, actually, I can do this? Well, like I said, I've always been a great lover of books, always had a book in my hand. And when um, I went to... Um, when I went to college I studied performing arts and obviously that was a lot of script work and a lot of learning again different stories different ways of acting different different just things and stories that really really inspired me um, and then when I left and I got my first job I actually worked in Ladbrokes which is a complete <laughs> completely different from anything I ever wanted to do but when you get out of college and it's kind of your first job you don't really know what to do so it's just like any and anything will kind of do and you know anybody that's worked in a bookies you know apart from taking bets there's not really much else to do so yeah. one day I just said to myself you know what after reading a great book that I can write a book you know I'm gonna I'm gonna try my hand at writing it was you know a quick decision that I made and it was coming up to my 21st birthday and I'm it's like, you know, well, I just want to try something different. And I started writing and I self-published a book when I was 23, which was Money Green Memories. I self-published it and I'd finished it. And I, I felt a real sense of accomplishment knowing that I could just finish a book. You know, I could do that. I could write 80,000 words by myself and really experience that author experience. And I loved it. It was absolutely amazing. It was an amazing journey and amazing, you know, practice for me in a sense. And after that, then I went on and I did a few writing courses. And then I decided to write The Hive, which has just been amazing. There's a lot to unpack there. And I love the way you say, I just decided to do this. Because a lot of people, they can't, they they maybe second guess themselves. They think, "Oh, can I, uh, can I achieve this?" But you're like, "No, I'm going to do this." Was uh, you mentioned turning 21, which you know is a big turning point for a, a lot of young people. You know, we we talk about turning 18, 21, turning 30 is a big one as well. You know, uh, what was it? Did you feel like the clock was ticking? Did you feel like you had to get something done by the time you were 20? Which, by the way, I'm 50 is a ridiculously young age to be published, by the way. So congratulations. But, you know, that is amazing. So was it turning 21 that was was uh, a big turning point for you? Um, yeah, I suppose I always kind of do these big turning points, um, I guess, in my life. When I was 21, you know, I decided to write Money Green Memories and self-publish it. And then when I was turning 30 last year, The Hive was published. So I think it's, you know, these moments in your lives, these real moments, you know, that make you stop and pivot and kind of think, you know, where is my life going and what do I really want to do? And um, what you said about deciding to do something, yeah, it's kind of like you decide. I, I'm a firm believer in anybody can do anything that they actually want to do if they put their mind to it. Yeah. And I know people think, you know, no, I can't, all these obstacles in my way. No, you can. It doesn't matter what it is. You can take those first steps to making it happen. 
after that, then, you know, the universe and everything else will come into play and things will fall into play as it did for me in absolutely amazing ways that I couldn't even have imagined, you know, getting a book deal during covid you know these things you couldn't have imagined but they happened and it's all because I took the first steps I decided to take those steps so I think with if I could give any right or any advice it would be to take those first steps just do it publishing money green memories what were the big lessons that you learned from that what did you take away from that publishing is a lot harder than I thought right Um, Also that it taught me a lot of discipline. And I think that was the main aim of it. When, you know, the first thing that you ever write is never going to be the thing that, you know, makes you blow up, but you need to know the discipline. And with writing, it's all about consistency. It's all about setting the time aside and really dedicating yourself to that world, that reality, what's happening with those characters. And because, uh, you know, I'm I'm quite anal in the sense of I constantly overthink. There's always wheels turning in my head and I, there's always me just thinking. So for me, even when I'm not writing, I'm still thinking about the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can't switch off until it's done. But with Money Green Memories, it taught me that discipline to get it done. It taught me that sense of achievement because there is nothing like holding your book in your hand. Yeah, yeah. You know, with your name on it and that you put in the time, the effort, every word, every full stop, every comma, it, it was you. Yeah. And it's it's amazing. Amazing editors, of course, and stuff as well, and a whole team behind it. But it was you. You you made the story. You made the characters. You made the world. And it's amazing to, to feel that sense of achievement. There really is nothing like it. And when it came to Money Green Memories, you know, after I'd finished self-publishing it I thought that was it I just wanted to have that self sense of achievement I didn't send it to any agents I didn't send it to any publishers I just wanted to do it myself and it wasn't until I got a letter from a complete stranger that asked me where like where is more of my writing where is and I have that letter to this day wow you know I still look at it and I still think oh my god you know to just get a letter from somebody that doesn't know you that just completely found you looked for your PO box to send you a letter to say where is the rest of your work you must have something there must be something in you a raw talent a raw something that you need to nurture to go in that direction that was kind of my confirmation that this is exactly where I want to be that is brilliant because we do we do talk to a lot of authors who talk about that little moment of, of affirmation where someone taps you on the shoulder and says either you can do this or, or more please. So th- there was quite a gap though between uh, Money Green Memories and The Hive. It's about sort of six seven years maybe. So what was happening in that time? Where you get because Money Green Memories I think had potential to be a series. Was there any thought of following that up or? Did you think, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna maybe up my game a bit and, and aim for traditional publishing? I was actually initially planning a series, which was the initial thoughts of Money Green Memories. And yeah. you never know, maybe one day I will go back and revisit that idea. Um, but that was a romantic thriller. And I think again, when when you first self-publish, you're still finding your style. I was very yeah. young, I was like, 23 and I was still working on my style and my voice and what I wanted to say and 
where Money Green Memories was a romantic thriller, I realized through writing that I liked that thriller element, that that was me, that that was that was the route I wanted to go down, a path that was a little bit more darker, a little bit more mysterious, you know, it had a little more twists and turns and that excited me, that made me want to do something more. And obviously with that, life kind of catches up with you again. I'm very young. I wanted to go on holidays and travel and, you know, have relationships and have heartbreaks. And I wanted to go through the motions. And at that age, I really wanted to experience and suck in life as best (laughs) I could. You know, I wanted to be a sponge and suck it all up. And again, I was blessed with some amazing females in my life, some really strong women. And we've had a great time. And it came years later when it was just time to document that, right? to really write down, you know, our, you know, things that happened. And although the hive isn't directly taken verbatim from our lives, you yeah. know, I've definitely jazzed it up and embellished, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it to make it a lot more dramatic. It was, you know, it's still at the heart and in its muscle and in its tissue, our lives and that was just amazing to write for me it's been an amazing experience well let's talk about the the your publishing experience with uh with Zephyr and um so tell us how you got an agent or got a deal how did that all come about (laughs) again this is an amazing story actually which is kind of um again a confirmation that this is where I needed to be at the exact right time Um, I had had a really, really bad breakup, which was really public. It was very much online. And um, it was it was, you know, with a public figure. And after that, I wanted to write about my feelings again. So I wrote The Hive, which initially wasn't called The Hive. It was called Something Else. And I had written it again. I had finished it, but I also had a full-time job. I was working as a patient consultant for like the Harley Medical Group. So I was very, very, very busy and, you know, living my life, but kind of still writing and doing hobbies on the side. And my older sister is an amazing children's author. And we, yeah, she is an amazing children's author, but she's also on my dad's side. So we weren't very close. Right at all we didn't really have much we're a bit she's far older than me we just didn't have much of a relationship and it was just one day she kind of reached out on Instagram to me and she was like I didn't even know you you write I didn't know you've you've written I was posting about you know I'd written a book and this she was like oh I didn't even know you write send me you know your stuff and I just sent her, you know, the the hive at the time, which wasn't called that, but I sent it to her and she read it through and she was like, this is, this is really good. (laughs) Wow. I, I don't, I don't understand how this is so good. So she then got me in touch with Nadine who Nadine then looked through it. And again, Nadine was my second confirmation. I didn't know Nadine. And she was like, wow, no, this is really good. So for, for the listeners, for the listeners, this is Nadine Matheson, who's been on the show a couple of times, came to our live show, and she's just amazing. She's, again, very good uh, podcast called The Conversation, which I, I first heard you on, which is definitely worth checking out. But yes, yeah, sorry to interrupt, Scarlett. Just so. so Nadine, Nadine gave you that affirmation, yeah? Yes, Nadine was like, this is really good. She looked over it. She was running a mentorship at the time. And she was like, you know, do the mentorship. My sister was like, yep, do with the mentorship. So I did it with Nadine. She really helped me go over my submission, just look over everything. And she was like, 
this this is gonna happen. The dean was like, <laughs> "This is your there's no way." And the, you know, the, the dean and she's an amazing author. She's just amazing. At the time, her first book was coming out, mm. and it was you know the Jigsaw Man was coming out, and she was like, "This is good. Like you you need to do this. You need to send this to agents." And my sister sent it to her agency and we sent it out to another five agencies on top of that. So in total, we had six literary agencies that we had sent it to different agents that we had researched. And we thought these would be amazing, you know, agents to send it to. And then to our surprise, five out of the six came back to to ask for full requests, manuscript which was amazing day for me I was so shocked I couldn't believe that so many agents were just you know they wanted the hive it was amazing and in the end we decided to go with after meeting um with them we decided to go with Kate from Blake Freeman who has just been amazing she has been the backbone for the hive She has just, you know, she encouraged me. She kept me calm. She's just been (laughs) amazing the entire time. And we worked on the hive a bit for about six months, four to six months, I would say. And then we sent it out to editors and we got Zaffa. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it was amazing. It was during COVID as well. So it's locked down and it was just, it was, you know, everybody was going through such a tough, time it was really COVID was really one of those isolating moments that made you really reflect and because I wasn't at work you know everything was closed everybody was on furlough it was it was an amazing amazing like thing to happen and then to my surprise which was crazy after I'd gotten the book deal and this is what I mean by things happening at the exact right time I went in back to my clinic and they made my entire clinic redundant which was great. Yeah, it was completely crazy. They made the entire team redundant. They'd closed the clinic and that was that. And it was, if it wasn't for my book, you know, if it wasn't for, I would have kind of been lost in life. But again, it happened exactly when it needed to happen. Well, you say that, Scarlett, but I think you've proven that you make things happen yourself. You know, you you get out there, you put the work in. It's the uh, Mark Twain said, "The harder I work, the luckier I get." So I think I think you, should, you need to take some credit there as well. So this is just a fantastic story. Um, so what's coming next from you, Scarlett? What's uh, what's coming after the hive? So we are currently working on a new book, which is very different. We're calling it a destination thriller with a twist. So we are working on that, which is amazing. I'm literally in the middle of edits. Me and Kelly are going back and forth and we're really hammering it out. And that will be out next year, which is going to be so exciting. So I'm really excited to, you know, as the year progresses to start putting out news and, you know, we can start revealing what we've been working so very hard on. So I'm excited for that book, especially. I can't say too much because (laughs) I'm, I'm told I'm not allowed to say too much, but we're very excited and it's very different from The Hive and it's a whole new set of characters and worries and a mystery so i'm excited oh we're excited too this has been fantastic scarlett thank you so much for speaking to us it's been a real inspiration and uh best of luck with the hive and whatever comes next hope to speak to you again soon thank you so much mark 
Oh, what a fantastic interview. And what a lovely, lovely person. I mean, she she was speaking my language all the way through that interview. Just so positive. I'd like lifting. that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, you did mention that it was it was a it was gonna be something that, that I really jumped out at. I mean so much to talk about. So let's dive in. Um okay, I just have to say this. Uh, and it's kind of blowing me away. But we now have a Harry Potter generation of people yeah, we're writing old, books. Like we are, we are proper, old men. <laughs> properly grown-up authors who yeah. are reading Harry Potter as kids. And and I think it's absolutely brilliant because here's the thing, right? We, we've always talked about how everything that we do as writers potentially can inspire other people to write. And yeah. now we're going to see this massive wave. I think it's like only just beginning. Massive yeah, wave of new authors who who had that major like moment with Harry Potter and then lived and breathed Harry Potter throughout their entire like youth and and started to write as teenagers and now are publishing books and now have having massive success with books as well. Isn't it isn't it amazing? It is. It's mind-blowing. And that whole I mean Harry Potter kicked off that whole middle grade to YA revolution, I think. I mean, but those books were doing well. I, I mean, this is what makes me feel so old. I was a bookseller when they were coming out, you know, and uh, it was it was the third book, I think, where it didn't matter how many we reordered, we always sold out. And we were like, this is so weird. Just keep getting <laughs> them in. So, um, yeah, to think that someone like Scarlet, and if you go to something like Yauk, where you see – not just authors, but readers around about her age who are now sort of hitting their 30s. These are the people who were that, you know, young Harry Potter generation who are, you know, knocking it out of the park and have been inspired by those kind of fantastic books and uh, and, and, and want to do it for themselves now. They want to, you know, create their own universes. And I, I know we've we've had authors inspired by Harry Potter and that, thing before but these were people who were already grown-ups you know who were already uh maybe already writing but you know to just imagining scarlet in the airport saying digging her heels and saying i want a book mum uh and then reading the whole thing at six years old and then that just completely opening her mind to all this all these possibilities that's Absolutely. amazing well it, it made me think of a question mark we like to run little mini themes on the podcast and i think we should run a theme for the next month with the question what book inspired you to write oh now there's a big one um, maybe now maybe it's something that we should we should also answer ourselves but it's a hard question to answer like off the unless can you think of one specific book that really jumps Hitch, out for you hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy i think I mean, I reread that that book, all, all of those books, again and again and again. And I thought he's he's doing space and stuff, but he's being funny as well. Mm. And I just thought I didn't know you could do that. And of course, you know, later I discovered Terry Pratchett and and, and other authors like that. But I think it was Hitchhikers was the one that made me think. Let's have a go at this. See if I can do this. See if I can do, you know, glom my two things together that I love, which is spaceships and being funny. And you know, I've. Yeah, I've I've tried to do it. Uh, it's, mm. uh, you know the 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 whole idea of of, of just you know having that because I thought like most ten year olds I thought I was funny. Um, <laughs> I still do. I think uh, <laughs> my kids might disagree. Um, my wife certainly does. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, it's uh, that was that was it for me. Hitchhikers, I think was was the first one. Yeah. Do you know? For me, I think it was the Stand by Stephen King. Wow. Partly because it was like. I never in a million years thought I could read a book 
that, that it was that big. I didn't think it was possible to to be so engaged and engrossed in a book that was like what a thousand odd pages. Mm. Um, but that that really, I I tend to find that whenever I read any fiction book. I just want to write. It just, it, it's like anything. It's like when you see a great film or great documentary, I want to create a great documentary. It's like, I get so inspired by what people do f- in their profession, but particularly with, with, with that Stephen King novel, when we talk about what book started it, because there's lots of books we read now, I think that keep us going, which is great. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but for me, it was a stand. So we want to put that question to you, dear listeners, if they're all viewers, if you're watching us on YouTube, if you would like to let us know, we're going to, we're going to, pick out some of our favorites um you know maybe it's some, some something really obscure that you found in an old secondhand bookshop which you know like no one else has ever read or maybe um it was something that tied in with something that was happening in your life which made a massive impact for you so drop us a note on the website or pop pop over to our social media uh, we'll actually we'll do all the social media at the end so so stick with us but um if if you pop along to the website the contact form just just drop us a note and we'll pick out our favorite ones and over the next say four weeks maybe mark we'll we'll yeah we'll kind of read them it. out i think that'd be fun brilliant stuff now yeah, yeah, yeah. Scarlett also talked about, in kind of tying in with all this, she also talked about this importance of life experiences, which yeah. which kind of tie in with helping her develop as the author that she's become. Absolutely fascinating, wasn't it? Well, I mean, she she said on her 21st birthday, I'm going to write. And that I, I guess it was just to prove to herself that she could do it and to give herself a sense of accomplishment and to write the book, which is Money Green Memories, which she actually published as Scarlet G Braid. And it's still up there on Amazon. You can, and it's got had great reviews, you know, but I think she, what she discovered was that she preferred the thriller em- elements of her stories, you know, and, uh, but, you know, she did it and it's there and it's almost, you know, like we did with Back to Reality. Could we do it? Yes, we can. We've done it. That's great. Then the brilliant thing that she did was she said that she wanted to experience life. She said travel, relationships, heartbreaks, and she wanted to be a sponge and suck it all up. And I think that is so important because I was writing in my 20s. And I, I think I could string a sentence together. I could write, I was writing a lot of comedy and sketches and stuff that made people laugh again, thinking that I'm funny, but it wasn't really about anything. I don't, I'm not sure I had much to say. And I think what's happened is Scarlett's gone out there. She's lived a life uh, and, and she's come back with all these experiences and you just see it with, um, you know, with, with uh, the hive, She's definitely got something, and we'll talk about this in the extended, this, where high concept ideas come from. Uh, she's definitely got something really, really big to say about public profiles and social media and, and the way that, that particularly her generation can be, you know, messed up by that and how they manage it. And that now I think she's an author with something to say, you know. So um, I think not to, not to diss the young or anything but i think the fact is the older you get the more you know cuts and bruises you get along the way and i think that means you do have something to say about the world and your experiences in it uh so yeah it's uh i think going out there and living a life i mean my daughter is 23 and she's just finished a draft of uh, a middle grade novel that she's working on and it's good she can really write she can really really write and it's really really good fun but I have said to her what's it about 
you know, and uh, it's, it's, it's coming back to this idea of theme and central dramatic argument. What have you got to say about the world? So I do, you know, I think, yeah, you know, I think you need to ha- have, have had a really rotten boss. You need to have had your heart broken. I think you need to experience grief at, at some point, even if it's, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't want to wish that on anyone, but I think if, you know, a grandparent, a great grandparent, a pet or whatever, just yeah, having, having kind of touched, touching, touching on those kind of those essential elements of, of life and, and the ups and downs of life, uh, that batter and bu- bruise you, but you come out the other side of it with experience that shapes you. And then you want to say something about that. And that's yeah. kind of storytelling. Isn't I think it? what's interesting though, is there's different, there's different kind of like, generational things that happen like there could be somebody that's born in the streets you know and, and an orphan by the time they're 20 they're going to have a lifetime of experience to write yes. and then yeah. there are also people in their 80s who've just sat, sat in their house their whole life and never you know never traveled outside of their own village yeah, yeah. so i think i think it also depends on um i think it's more about the collection of life experiences you've had wherever you're at in your life and there are some people that have had like incredibly rich and diverse experiences and challenging experiences or emotional experience. And whenever you experience that in life, I think, I think it's, what's interesting, I think it's easier to kind of process when you're an adult and then write about. I think it's harder if you're kind of a young child, for example, and things are happening, you, your brain's still kind of like developing and you're trying to make sense of the world. But it's this, it's this really interesting combination of all of those things to put together. And, and I also think the world through the eyes of, say, a 20-year-old can be a really fascinating view. They might not be like the Gandalf of this world. They may be, but they might not be like all that wisdom, but they may still also speak to, say, other other teenagers or other 20 year olds in a, in a voice that feels relevant to them. And so there's yes. so many different angles. Yeah, true. There's so many different, different ways to do it. So I would just say to people, if you've had any kind of experience, which has had kind of some deep emotional impact on you, then, then you can write about that. And if, you know, you, you don't have to change the world, but you can kind of focus in on that and make it something which can be relevant to a certain group of readers. Um, but, I think it's also harder for us, Mark, looking back at our age <laughs> when we've kind of been through life. Because I think we try, it's like scientists. When scientists have worked all their life trying to prove something, they hate it when other scientists come along who are younger than and, and then disprove <laughs> everything yeah. they've just built their whole life journey about. What do you mean? Well, that's BS. Or it's, or it's like, it was a stepping stone for you to find the big answer to life, which yeah, I've been looking yeah. for all this time. So yeah, it's it's kind of cool. I think um, I hung out, I like to hang out in the um, sometimes go into schools and do presentations and stuff. And it, it just continually blows me away, like how, you know, 14, 15 year olds see the world and, yeah. and, and how out of touch I am with it. You know, I couldn't yeah. write about what they're experiencing today no, because not. I keep saying yeah. to my daughter, I said, look, I always preempt whenever I say anything, I say, look, I realize that I was, I was your age once, but it was in like, you know, the eighties, not, not the the 2020s. And I always have to say, remind myself of that because it's kind of, it's an interesting one, but, but the value of life experience, I think, and the emotional impact that it has on you and how you write that emotion out, that for me is the elixir of what makes a book, something that connects with people. Um, uh, and yeah, it's. I mean, it's. But it's an endless debate, isn't it? That's just. That's really just. Yeah. My, no, my I'm not. Like I said, I don't. I don't want to be 
dissing on the youth, you know? But uh, the original storytellers were people who would travel from village to village and they would gather stories. They would gather experiences as they went and then tell them around a campfire kind of thing. And I think you have to think of yourself as this traveller who goes around experiencing stuff. Uh, You've got your story sort of radar on. You're collecting interesting characters and events and ideas uh, and then recounting them and telling it in a truthful voice. Uh, yeah, and and, yeah. and actually on the social media front, which we're going to talk about in the extended as well, but it does make me wonder with us consuming so much more information these days on on social media, watching TV, we, yeah, we, we we're we're experiencing things through through the the lens of a screen, but we're not actually directly experiencing it. It's not like a lived say, experience, yeah, yeah, the yeah. adventure of that troubadour going from village to village, collecting mm. stories. They they really were experiencing it, and I do wonder how. Um, all of that affects our ability to become authentic storytellers rather than retellers of yeah. things that we've seen on TV or yeah, videos yeah. we've seen on YouTube. But we'll get into that a bit more. There's a whole big topic over social media, but we'll mm-hmm. go into that in a bit. Um, one, of the, one of the other things that I wanted to touch on before we go into the extended is just Scarlett's attitude towards life and writing. We've seen this in so many successful authors. She said, you know, do anything you, you, you know, do anything, you can do anything that you put your mind to just take the first yeah. step. Yeah. And I say this again and again, I have a massive bias in this because I'm a coach and this is what I love to kind of focus on. But I, I really do think that this is a massive area that authors need to work on if they don't have that positive kind of outlook towards there if they're always beating themselves up and you know it's it's likely that the opposite's going to happen that, that things aren't going to happen for you because we can just see the evidence in all the people that we you know they're all so yeah. inspiring i mean we do get a few people that you sometimes think wow how how did they <laughs> with that attitude like make it really successful and that does happen right but i'd say the vast majority of people you know and i think a very original one of that was shanna mayer like just her kind of like insane amount of like just going for it and not questioning anything and dreaming big. Um, but there's something in that, isn't there, Mark? I mean, you, you see that as well, right? You don't get published by accident, right? Yeah. No one, no one, you know, knocks on your door and says, I, I heard your writing and uh, just tell me what it is and we'll publish it. You have to, you have to really, especially these days, you have to really want it and go through all the rejection and all of that stuff. So I think where people have gone, well, you know, so just sort of happened by accident is a pose, you know, they, yeah. you have to really, yeah, really want hard. it. And, you know, we've got people in, in the Academy and in the BXP group on Facebook who are getting rejections and knockbacks and, and they are dusting themselves off and picking themselves up again. And we share this, you know, we have uh, every Sunday on the Facebook group, we have a little roundup. What's your week been like? And you can guarantee one week, there's always someone who go, I got another rejection. And mm-hmm. what's lovely is everyone rallies around and says, keep going. You know, this is it. We've got your back kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I've been there and I still get rejections and I, things still don't work out the way I want them. And it's, it's the life you know, this is this is the life you live as a writer. It's it's constantly being kicked up the backside. You know, <laughs> um, so you you it is you know it is a choice that we make to to, to go th- to endure this kind of stuff over and over. So uh, yeah, I mean, Scarlett was. Um, I just I just like you. I loved her attitude. You know, she was just mm. like, I'm gonna I'm gonna get it done. I'm gonna get this done. So um, yeah. She's inspiration. I think it's great. I think it's really important for people to, if you're listening to this thinking, 
yeah, I do doubt myself a bit too much. I don't have enough belief in myself. If if you're thinking that maybe that's something that you've maybe not worked on, maybe mm-hmm. just accepted it as a story that you've told yourself all these years, uh, you know, because you're a good storyteller. Remember that. Like it can work both ways. <laughs> yeah. Uh, story, what's the story of your life? You know, how, how is that? How are you telling that story to yourself and the world and how are you showing up in the world? And, and the thing is, there are great, there are great highs when writing and there are also great lows and you can't have the great highs without the great lows. It's part, part of the struggle and the beauty of, of, of making something like this happen. And so I just want to encourage people out there who are, maybe a bit stuck you know it's like you've been you've been stuck in this place for a a year or several months or five or even 10 years or 20 years just because that's where you've been doesn't mean that's where you have to go to there's a fork in the road today and you can just keep going down the same old path just keep doing what you're doing and you keep getting what you're getting or you can say hang on a minute maybe there's something in this maybe if i just took a right at this uh, this signpost and you start to like even pretend to believe in yourself. Pretend that you're good. <laughs> Just allow yeah. yourself to do that for a day. See what happens. Um, try to convince yourself. Maybe make yourself a character in your own life story that you're a brilliant author who's starting on this amazing journey of, of writing a bestseller. Pretend to be that character in your life and see what yeah. happens. I think, you know, you, you either... I remember when my daughter first learned to whistle you know, it's like six years old. Have you ever seen a six-year-old whistle? It is the most confident swagger you will ever see. They they just walk around, you know, thinking they've learned something new and it's just, you feel like, and there's a swagger to that that gets knocked out of us in school through exams and life and, you know, being dumped by boyfriends or girlfriends or whatever, you know, all of those trials. And we come out the other end kind of exhausted by it and we kind of accept our fate. Or you can sort of start whistling again and have a bit of swagger. You know, I think there's 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 something we, about that sort of confidence. Or, and I say this as a white bloke, the confidence of a white bloke. Because, you know, we have everything laid out for us, really. You know, we, we, we've, you know, we, I, I've always had the attitude of, I can do that because no one's ever told me otherwise. Whereas if you're a girl, people go, well, girls don't do that. Girls don't do woodwork. Girls don't do, don't, mm. don't play football. Girls don't play rugby. You know, whereas no one's ever told me that I can't not do anything. I've always done it. So, you know, either have the confidence of a six-year-old girl whistling or a white bloke who's never been told they can't do anything <laughs> because I've no, no one's ever said I can't. And I blunder in and I'll get stuff wrong and I'll get it. I'll, I'll you know, I'll be a disaster at it. But there's something about that that means that I just pick myself up and, and have another go at it. And, mm. you know, it's... It's society and it's a patriarchy and it's wrong and all of that stuff. But it's kind of, you know, it's an attitude that's got me where I am today. But I think everyone can have that attitude. Well, you can. Yeah, this is the thing. I think that some people are very fortunate in life and that they maybe have very encouraging and supporting parents. I always I always look at people, I look at the backstory, I look at their family, and it's either one or the other. It's either they've got very encouraging parents who gave them that belief of, yeah, you can do anything, live your dream, go for it. Like and you're great at that and keep doing that, trying and keep trying hard. And and then you can have other parents who are always 
you know, very negative or, mm. you know, catching you doing things wrong all the time instead of catching you doing things right, which is one yeah. of my mantras as a parent, like catch your, catch your kids doing something right today yeah. and, and tell them, you know. Um, and I think that it's so, it's so interesting. So some people have had that experience through childhood whereby they've, they've had that confidence nurtured in them. But if you're, again, if you're listening to this and thinking, well, I never had that. I had parents that, you know, that, that, that used to kind of like tell me never to do things. And I was always being told no, but this is a learned skill. That's why mm. my library at home is like literally wall to wall of every personal development book I've ever managed <laughs> to get my hands on. Seriously, I'm so bored, Mark, going into bookshops now because there's nothing new that I haven't had. It's like, oh, come on, guys, I want something new that's not been done before. And it's and and I do, and I read it like I've got literally. If you could, if I spun my camera around, which I won't, because my that's not too messy, but um, <laughs> my all the books I've got around me, I've got I've got books, books, books that like, every subject to do with everything that I'm fascinated about in the world and about how I can try to like improve myself a little bit today, do something different, think differently, get myself out of a rut that maybe I'm stuck in, plan what I want to create in the future, all this stuff, and I'm just constantly feeding this energy. It's relentless, and I absolutely love it. Um, and I get times when I, I dip and I get a bit fed up and I'm like, uh, can I do this? And do I want to do this? And what am I doing? And, and then you get the age thing kick in and you think, bloody hell, what's going on with life? Yeah, you know, but yeah. you can Whoosh. learn this stuff. So go out and get yourself a, I mean, maybe I should write a, maybe I should write a list of books for people that might be good starting points for them to start to kind of really build that mentality. I thought you of, said you were going to write a book. Well, I do. Well, I, this is the thing. I have, Come lots, on, Mr. D. <laughs> I have lots of half finished nonfiction books as well, Mark. <laughs> Tons of them. Uh, I know. Well, actually the work that I'm doing really, it's kind of weird in a way, but the kind of, this kind of work that I should be putting into a book I'm doing in the academy. I mean, that's why. Yes, it's true. Right. It's the coaching that's that I true, do in the academy. Yeah. And that's really why yeah. I'm putting my efforts at the moment. But, but yeah, I mean, it, just remember folks, it's a learned behavior and it's just about catching those little habitual thinking moments in that, that might knock you down, just like flip them around and think about something the opposite, like what could happen rather than what could go wrong? What could go right, for God's sake? Yeah. What could go right? What could bloody go right with your book, folks? What could go right with it? Like <laughs> clues, in the t clues in the word. Anyway, um, before I... Before I go off on a ramp, we, we've got a ton more stuff to get through. We're going to, for we anyone do. interested in, in continuing this journey with us this, today on the extended, we are going to talk about social media and being a, an author online and the challenges of it. Do you have to do it? Do you need to do it? Do you want to do it? Is it essential? I know this is a big topic for a lot of people. So join us in the extended. We're going to talk and deep dive into that. We're also going to talk about life pivot moments. Uh, Scarlett talked about this letter that she had from her reader, which was a huge milestone. So we're going to deep dive into that a bit. You know, what have been major life pivot moments for you? Uh, what pivots would you love to maybe see in your future life as an author? Like what, what could there, what could there be that you could create? We're going to also explore the importance of great friendship groups, people to support you mm. and also great mentors as well. Um, Mark's also done a ton of work around hooks and high concepts, which we're going to dive into. It'll be fun. And something we've called story perpetual motion, this idea of the wheels always turning in your mind. So folks, if you'd like to join us for the extended, you simply go along to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash support and sign up and you'll get access to all of these extra goodies that we have for you. So Mark, loads of stuff on social media this week. 
Well, you know, we're talking about in the extended about letting people know that they've had a profound effect on your writing or your career or what have you. By weird coincidence, we've got a whole bunch of those today. So strap yourself in, strap yourself in. Uh, First one's from the Academy and the wonderful Sandra Hunter, who... I adore, and she's just a wonderful human being. She said, uh, "She she said she she says I'm so jazzed to have received an email today from a student who had contacted me, me for an interview when she'd read Guardian Forest, that's Sandra's first book, I think, uh, as a school lit project two years ago. She's in grade ten now and wrote to thank me for the interview all that time ago. And she says, I finally started writing a book and just wanted to tell you what a wonderful motivator you've been. You are what changed my mindset from." I want to write a book to I want to build this new and wonderful world filled with characters I've created. Every time I thought of quitting, I reminded myself of the amazing woman who told eighth grade me all about herself in a Zoom meeting. I went above and beyond to supply me with resources to help me along when she had no obligation to. Sorry for the random message. Just wanted to properly thank you. And Sandra says, I'm still kind of teary eyed and so very happy that a young person was even the least inspired to pursue creative writing further to chat on our chat on Zoom. It truly does go to show that as writers, we never realize how much our words may affect a reader in a positive way. Well, wow. unbelievable. Eh. Unbelievable. <laughs> I know if, if, if there was ever a example of everything we've just talked about, <laughs> that is it. Isn't that amazing? And then brilliant, isn't it? Sandra is, is an absolute shining light. Uh, she's, she's just a wonderful human being. She's so kind and, and generous with her time and um and deserves deserves all of that and more because she's an incredible author as well so thank you for sharing that with us sandra as well i think it's super important to celebrate those moments when they happen and uh just totally on theme absolutely brilliant Totally. And it's my turn to embarrass you now, Mr. D. So this is an email that says, hi, Mr. D, how are you? It's been a while since we spoke. uh, And she says, I just want to say a quick thank you. Ages ago, when I was in the Bestseller Academy, you encouraged us writers to email an author we liked to tell them that we appreciated their book. I just finished Jane Friedman's book, The Business of Being a Writer, and at your prompt, wrote to tell her I thought it was excellent. And she replied to say she clicked my website link in my email signature and was impressed with my nonfiction coaching and editing business. From that first email, we stayed in contact over the years, and she's now invited me to teach a nonfiction writing class hosted by her, uh, which is this week, in fact. And um, she's uh, it's, it's a class about um, should your book be a memoir or self-help? And she was in the academy to learn write fiction, but a day job nonfiction is, is, is her area of expertise. And she goes on to say, thank you for the nudge to connect with the people we admire. Jane is a juggernaut in the publishing industry. I'm so honoured and a little giddy to be teaching with her. I hope this note encourages you to revel in your enormous wisdom to brag to everyone about how smart you are. But seriously, thank you. And that's from Liz Green. Oh, that's absolutely amazing. <laughs> Isn't that brilliant? It's brilliant. Brilliant. Oh, and folks, and- if if you're looking for a, a non-fiction editor, uh, Liz is at Green Goose Writing. I'll put a link in the show notes. She is fantastic. Yeah, Liz is absolutely brilliant. And and it is one of those things, isn't it? You you mention it. I, I taught that in the academy because I've done that a number of times in my life yeah. and seen what has happened. Like the most, cra- like just, just, it's weird, but you know, you're not writing to somebody to get anything from it other than thank them. But oftentimes stuff just happens. So yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm so, and it's brilliant. I, I love the fact that Liz has, Liz has shared that story and every success to you, Liz, where is this, where's that going to take your career now? And working mm-hmm. with one of your heroes in, in that, that realm. Absolutely brilliant. 
Fantastic. Brilliant. And I got another great one, Kate Baker, who uh, did Made of Honor, which uh, Made of Steel, Made of Steel, not Made of Honor. It's a Jennifer Lopez film, Made of Steel. Uh, she said um, she got a lovely text from her sister-in-law today, uh, and the text goes: "Funny story. This just happened. I'm sitting on a plane, window seat, waiting to depart Nashville to fly to Dallas. I have your book on my lap. Cabin crew lady pauses at my row, sees your book, and asks, "Is it good?" I said, "Brilliant." She said. It's the third time she's seen this book on her flights recently. She said, you are truly what? famous, Kate. Could have been more proud. It's helped to take my mind off my anxiety about being on a plane. So this is just amazing. And Kate put this on social media. And uh, her sister-in-law message saying she's going to gift her copy to the same cabin crew on the return flight next week. I love uh, it. So it's just... How I perfect. Mean, is that brilliant? That happen? I think it's that amazing. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. We were talking, weirdly enough, we were talking in the extended about snakes on a plane, but we've got a whole new theme of books on a plane. <laughs> books on a plane, yeah. <laughs> books yeah, on a plane. Yeah. Oh, congratulations, <laughs> yeah. Kate. That is, I mean, that, again, we talk about these milestone moments. I didn't have that one, actually, like no. books on a plane. But there's <laughs> moments where, for example, a friend of yours sees someone on the underground reading your book and then just has to text you or takes a, takes a secret photo to send it to you. Moments like that just just to remind you what impact your, your books have out in the world, folks. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, on the 200 words a day front, uh, SC Gowland says, finally banked my 200 words a day, total for Delusions and Dragons, which is his new book. And he's been writing this book using the 200 word a day challenge. So total for Delusions and Dragons, 88,303 words. Uh, that Yeah, which takes his career total words written, 586,367. Wow. Uh, SC Gallon aiming for a million by the end of next year. I Go might know it. what I'm doing by then. Well, I, I'm pretty sure I've written a few million myself, but I still haven't got a clue what I'm doing. But that is brilliant. And just to let you know as well, uh, Delusions and Dragons is out now. He says, think Jumanji meets The Hobbit. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll oh cringe, gosh. you'll love it. So I love fantastic. that. Jumanji beats The Hobbit. I want to read that. That sounds exactly. brilliant. If High you, concept. That's what we so, talked about so in Extended. Steve's <laughs> talked about, what, what is he, 500,000 words now, half a million yeah. words, such a massive milestone. If you want to get that kind of word count down the road, it doesn't take, and it doesn't take years. This is the crazy thing about the 200 word challenge. It seems like it should, but it doesn't. Um, just pop along to 200wordchallenge.com and sign up today and, uh, and watch the magic unfold. And finally, last but by no means least, you were asking about Kiss Chase last week and if children still do Kiss Chase. I was. Oh. Right, so uh, Jack Logan, who's at Jack Logan Author on Twitter, he says, I don't think Kiss Chase is a thing now. He says, my oh. daughter, 10, would rather eat a snail with a side order of sprouts than kiss a boy. So <laughs> there we are. Does that That's, come uh, on the list? It comes <laughs> on the list after Brussels sprouts. That's impressive. I actually thought, thinking about that conversation we had last week about it, um, I think COVID pretty much put, put yeah, probably, got rid of just yeah. kissing generally, didn't it? And hugging and everything else. Oh, long may it come back, folks. Long may it come back. But anyway, brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. Well, listen, folks, thank you for sharing, for writing in, for sharing all of your successes and your amazing stories. And thank you for being with us all the way through today's episode. We hope you feel inspired and motivated and maybe, maybe reinvent yourself today what's version 2.0 or maybe 7.0 of who you are? Who do you want to be in the world today and tomorrow? Because you get to choose. You get to choose because you get to write your own story, just like you write your own your own books. So 
do think about that folks this week that's been a big theme in, in everything we've talked about so um just to inspire you further we will be back again next week with an amazing author uh, with tons more tips and advice to help you write finish and publish your book so mr stay people want to contact us on social media how would they do that yeah we're on Facebook, Bestseller Experiment. Twitter and Instagram is at Bestseller XP or pop along to bestsellerexperiment.com. There's a contact tab there. You can email us there and uh, drop us a line. Brilliant. And if you're looking for a friendship group or mentors, join the Academy, academy.bestsellerexperiment.com. We are there waiting for you to become your coaches and mentors and get to know you and your story uh, in a way, that, in a personal way that we absolutely love. So do join us there. And like I just mentioned again, the 200 word challenge, 200wordchallenge.com. Sign up today. Try it for seven days. Can you write 200 words a day for seven days? It's uh, harder than you think, but you will have an amazing word count for the end of the week. And you might also just have a little bit of momentum to keep you going. Brilliant. Well, thanks, Mark, for a great episode this week. Look forward to chatting again next week. And to everyone out there in podcast land, it's a goodbye from Mark One. And a goodbye from Mark Two. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.